Hey, eavesdroppers, welcome to Flapping Our Lips. We're just three sisters talking about random things. And today we invite you to eavesdrop on our conversation. So today we're going to talk about fear. And how do you face your fears? Or do you even face your fears? Yeah, oh, well, I'll begin because, you know, of, of all of us, you know, I'm known to have um, a, a fear of uh, flying. And we all, we've talked about the fact that we all really enjoy traveling and I do as well. But after, I would say, not traveling anywhere for almost 10 years, I got on a plane and I realized that I had developed this horrible phobia of flying. And it was almost crippling for quite a while to the point where I would fly places. And if it was in the US, I would buy a train ticket and go home. I could not even enjoy where I was going because I'd start thinking about the flight coming back or, you know, it'll be a month before I'm even leaving and my stomach will be, I'd get the bubble guts when anyone mentioned the flight. So it was pretty, pretty bad. And, um, you know, I would do, I would still get on the plane, but it would be very challenging. I'd be really wound up tight. So it so happened I was talking to someone else who has a similar fear. This is after struggling with this for years. And she mentioned that, oh, you know, I'm scared of flying. I'm scared of elevators. I I only walk up steps, yada, yada, yada. But in order to fly, I take Xanax. And I was like, oh, she said, yep, it really helps me to, um, calm my nerves. And, and, and so I said, well, you know, maybe I'll give it a try. And, and it actually was a tremendous relief and it was helpful to me to be able to get past the anxiety. Uh, but you know, I didn't want to have to always do that for the rest of my life. Um, although, you know, Hey, if that's what it is, that's what it is. Um, and I was sharing with, uh, uh, sister number one here that I was in preparation for a long flight just recently, um, about a month before I watched all these videos about plane crashes and I'm not necessarily afraid of, well, yeah, probably that's why I'm afraid, but, um, what, what it really is, I don't like turbulence. And I, when turbulence starts, I'm like, Oh God, the plane's going down. And so I watched all these videos and uh, what I learned from them was there's a lot of reasons why there are terrible plane accidents, but none of the reasons that I saw in that had anything to do with turbulence. So I get on the plane for this long flight and somewhere around Nova Scotia, the plane starts shake, rattling and rolling. And, you know, I'm not traveling with my usual uh, crutch of uh, medication. I decided I was going to do it medication free because I was feeling good. And um, I was able to pull myself back because I saw myself starting to slip into the uh, anxiety space. But I thought about all the videos 
And I was like, Kathy, that's irrational. This is not why this happens. Talk to myself. And I was able to get through the next seven, eight hours without the medication. I did enjoy lots of drinks whenever they were offered, but at least no medication. So I was really proud of myself. And I I no longer three and four weeks in advance feel anxiety about getting on planes. So I am ready to travel and just truly proud of myself for for plowing through um that anxiety and I still travel with my um uh my medication but I'm proud to say that for the past couple of trips I just haven't needed it so um it, it was a work in progress well that's really awesome that's awesome it's great that you you know you you worked in advance to prepare yourself for your trip um worked in advance to kind of like understand the thing that you were afraid of because I, you know, I'm, I'm no psychologist, but you know, of all the things I read and see, it is actually, um, they say not, not the thing that you're really afraid of, but the uncertainty of the thing that makes you so, what they say, knowledge is power. So you definitely took your power back with the um, fear of flying by just giving yourself all that knowledge about turbulences and the cause of crashes, this, that, that. So when the turbulence came, you were able to kind of like settle yourself. That's awesome. Yeah, I I definitely have things I feel like I'm afraid of, um, maybe more situational based. I don't know if I would have thought to watch videos of crashes, <laughs> if I was afraid of flying, I would have never done that because that would have just exacerbated any perceptions or perceived notions of dying that I might have been afraid of. So that's that's a quite interesting perspective. I see how you used it and it definitely made sense. I just said, think I don't know if I would have used that. And I think, um, you know, then you were able to use tools, which is what it's about. And the, the key here is anxiety, right? Fear is really anxiety of things that are unknown. And I have anxiety that, I don't know, all kind of weird stuff. If I see a weird number, I'm like, who's that calling me? You know, what's this about? Uh, some, some Something weird. I'm like, it could be anything. <laughs> but I I've just built up in my head something is going, some doomsday prepping of something. It could be a call. Oh my goodness. Um, let's say I haven't heard from my parents in a while and I'm the one that's closest and um, most engaged with them physically on things that they may need. And so if they, I'm like, oh God, what, you know, like what happened? Or, you know, something going wrong. So I'm, I'm always on high alert for that. And I, I think, I've tried to face those fears, trying to meditate, stay grounded, focus, like not think of the worst case scenario, but it's practice. It's not just an automatic for me. It is something I know I will probably be and live with for my whole life. My husband, he has a very different perspective. He doesn't, he doesn't face that. His job is hard. And so or even growing up, he was always pushed into tough situations and had to kind of work through it. So he's built up this system. I don't have that. So I my my rearing was a little bit different than his, and that, you know, 
I was thrust into uh, this scary situation. Oh, I'm not feeling good. Oh, oh okay. It's 1 a.m. My goodness, I'm waking up out of my sleep with this scary scenario. Is that, What does this mean? I don't know how to process this. And so I think I've carried that, but I've tried to unlearn that behavior and of fear or anxiety. But it's a challenge. It's um, I have to push through it. And then I realize on the other side that it's okay to be afraid. You just have to, how do you deal with it and how do you handle it? And do you push through or do you let it stop you? And I think that's the, the biggest takeaway that I have is that I can't let fear be the factor that holds me back from, as you said, going on a trip, meeting new people. You know, it could be, you know, you go into a situation and you're in a, a group of people or you're in a meeting and you're like, oh my goodness, I have to present. I don't want to sound crazy. Or, you know, this is a lot of holding on, you know, um, counting, people are counting on me for this. And so there's so many things that you think may go wrong. But again, that's anxiety, like, oh, you know, what do I do? But what I say to myself is what I'm involved in, nobody's going to die from any mistake I make. They can all be corrected. And so if I just hold on to that and stay present and do these meditation techniques, uh, breathe, you know, get into my breathing. But sometimes it doesn't work. Right. And sometimes I might be quivering in my boots or, uh, you know, or delay or procrastinate, but I still have to push through. So, you know, I commend you if it's drinks, if it's a talking to yourself, if it's a medication, whatever tools you have incorporated to help you not um, miss out on an opportunity is success. And and that's how I measure, measure success. Trying. You may not always do it 100 percent how you wanted to. But it's progress, not perfection. So kudos to you. You know, as you guys were talking, I was, I was, you know, prior to recording, I was like, I don't know. I mean, obviously I have my fears, but I didn't know like, oh, what fear do I really have that really impacts me? And I don't know that this really impacts me on a regular, but I don't know if you guys realize that I'm claustrophobic. And I didn't know that I was claustrophobic for a long time. Like for years, whenever I would travel um, and I would get on the plane, I would take Adramamine because I, if I thought about being, and it wasn't the flying, it was the, the enclosedness of the space. And little by little over time, I realized that there are certain spaces that when they are enclosed and I feel trapped, I start to panic. I don't know if you recall, there was a time um, when you and your husband came to Florida and y'all had a sports car, like one of those, um, you know, with small, small back seat. And I was supposed to drive with y'all. And I got in there and I immediately jumped out. I was like, no, 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 no. I can't do this. I just felt trapped and enclosed. So it doesn't pop up often, but this, this, I mean, I go about my daily life just fine because I'm very rarely in tight and enclosed spaces. But, you know, so that's another thing. Sometimes there are fears that we have, but because they're not part of our everyday or routine life, we don't even realize that we have them until you're placed in a situation of, what, I'm in the back of this here, low slung sports car, and I, I got to get out of here. I jumped out that car so fast. Do you remember that? I remember us having the car, but I don't remember that you jumped out. That is so 
interesting to me because I've never, I no, I did not know that you had any fear of small spaces or claustrophobic or claustrophobic. So it made me think of your closet. So what happens? Like I, I'm somebody who spends a lot of time in my closet going through things. <laughs> and I know you have a closet similar. You walk in. So how do you, how do you, are you like grabbing stuff and running out? Like, Ooh, I gotta get out of here. I don't know if y'all have realized this. I, I, doors in my house aren't closed. My closet door is never closed. That makes sense. I sleep with my bedroom door open. That is I don't, I don't, I'm, I, in my office when I'm working, my door is open. I don't like closed spaces. That is fascinating. Cause I've that always so wondered how she could be sleeping in this room with the door wide oh, open, light shining all up in her face when I need to sleep in what looks more like the dungeon. So that is fascinating. Well, see, I had no clue. Unco- these are unconscious, right? Because even as we're speaking, I'm enlightening myself because to me, I sleep with the bedroom door open because I need to hear. I'm by myself. I need to hear. But it's also because I don't like to be enclosed. My closet door is never, ever ever closed. It, that, I mean, that, uh, that's why it came to my head. But you know, it's interesting. I'm the complete opposite. So if I am sleeping, my door has to be closed. I watch a lot of what has been termed for me by my significant others, murder, murder death porn. So it shows like Dateline, um, <laughs> uh, 48 Hours, anything with murder and death. And I will watch those shows before I go to bed. And if I have to be in the house by myself, oh, that door is locked. I have to have the alarm. You know, I'm I'm prepping. Why did I watch this before I'm going to bed? Who knows? The dreams are filled with this stuff. So I'm the complete opposite. I'm always thinking something about maybe something morbid. Oh, somebody's going to come and try to kill me. You know, something I have to watch my back or, you know, let me be prepared. So it's it's um, quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one would one would think rationally that would be what one would do: close close yourself in, be safe. But that unconscious claustrophobia really just does not work for me. I just need everything needs to be open. I need to see. I need to feel space around me. Have you but, ever had to have a uh, MRI? Nope. They better put oh, me to sleep. I pray you don't. <laughs> and you know what? If you really think about it, now this is really morbid, but I've I've told my daughter, I've told my husband um, that when I pass, I want to be cremated because although I know the death, the dead, you're dead, dead, nothing. You, you feel nothing, you know nothing, whatever. My conscious thought as a person who's currently alive of my dead body in an enclosed coffin underground is what is making me like, please cremate me. Please do not put my dead unknowing body in a box in the ground. I don't want to do that. I may challenge you to know that that cremation, you will still be in a tomb cremated in ashes in an urn, potentially 
thrown underground after the No, my daughter already had instructions. Please go throw me in a park, in a garden. Do not keep me in no vase. Do not put me on no shelf. Don't bury me in the ground. Whose garden would that be? Your garden. Your garden. That would be Central Park. <laughs> That'd be Prospect, your garden. please. That'd be your garden. And I already asked my pastor once. I was like, Pastor, I need to be cremated. Uh, is you know, in the resurrection, will I be all right? He's like, Yes, yes, we'll be fine. So. <laughs> I never knew that you were scared of being or or uncomfortable in in planes because of the space. I could see being uncomfortable because it's a tin can, 38,000 feet. That don't no, make sense. It's, it's, rational it's, sense to me, but the worst but look at the perspective is different. Yeah. It's still just a, you know, space that's enclosed and you can't get out of. Right. You yeah. cannot leave that. And if no, you try to. No control. No control. Look, the if you try to, she will be un- Hog tied and in the back you. of the bathroom in, in another bathroom. enclosed <laughs> space. They have you down with the luggage. <laughs> Wait, first of all, do you use the do you use the bathroom in the plane then? Because that is oh, one. How, you, how are you I managing that? Don't. I usually don't. Mm. I mean, if what I you have, doing? Depends. <laughs> no, I usually go to the bathroom before. I, I, you know, if I'm on a long flight like we're going overseas, I'm going to use it. It's fine. You know, it's not a it's not a constant. Fear of small spaces, but if I'm, I feel like I'm going to be in there for a prolonged period. But usually, I use the bathroom before I board a plane, and as soon as I get off, I'm looking for the bathroom on most flights. I think the worst experience I had was when we were going for our grandmother's um, <laughs> birthday. Not her, not when she passed. When she had a, when she had a birthday, mm. and. Like I got on a Virgin Atlantic plane and I was like, I will never fly Virgin across the oceans again. That thing was so small. I was with my daughter. I practically tried to climb over that girl to get out the plane. It was <laughs> well, that, those seats are terrible. I, I, they were Virgin like, boo. Yeah, boo. I'm not with it. They, if you are not five feet one or smaller, five foot one, five feet one. Uh, don't even ride that plane. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So if I have to go overseas, please make sure my plane is big. And look, that might be one of those situations. I'm like, would tell my husband, look, we, we going to spend this money because a girl got to be comfortable because she cannot feel like if she's a sardine in this camp. <laughs> so, so, so this has actually turned out to be a really interesting conversation. And at that, at this point, we're just going to say thanks for eavesdropping with us. New episodes drop weekly. And to share your comments, say hi, recommend topics, or ask for advice, you can reach us at flapyourlips at gmail.com. That's F-L-A-P-Y-O-L-I-P-S at gmail.com.